Well, let's get into the final conversation for this morning then on the talking point at least. We're looking at the housing backlog in the country. It's a big problem has been for a number of years. Uh, this week, the Department of Human Settlements is hosting an Indaba under the theme How to Transform Human Settlements uh, Through Accelerated Planning, Implementation of Policies and Public-Private Partnerships. Well, let me invite onto the show Neville Cheney, who is Deputy Director General Planning and Strategy at the Department of Human Settlements. Neville, good morning. Good morning, Kathy. Let me also invite Inkosi Nokaka Jumba, National Chairperson of the Women's Wing of Contralesa. Good morning. Good morning, Jesus. And we'll also be joined by Abakali Basim John Dolo later on within the hour. Neville, you know, let's let's begin perhaps just with the basics, right? And often this is where there's a lot of conflicting data and um, nothing quite concrete coming up. But if we're talking about a housing backlog, the only way to think about the scale of the problem we need to solve is we need to know and understand just how big the issue is. So how big is the backlog of housing nationally if we are to talk numbers? In terms of numbers, uh, and that's including the entire backlog that's including informal settlements uh, as at the last uh, uh, interim census that was taken place, it's 2.4 million households. households. So it's 2.4 million households that are still waiting for houses. That's correct. How far back? Hey? uh, That that, that backlog uh, is... uh, as of uh, well remember when we started off in 1994 there was an inherited backlog okay so 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 remember in a lot of the instances african colored indian households didn't have adequate access to housing so so the backlog that we're speaking about is an accumulated backlog uh as at 2022 And how far back um, do some of those who are on these lists, um, how long have they been waiting for houses? Some of them go back, uh, so in Gauteng you'll see it goes back to 1996. As far back as 1996? 1996. That of course is is an incredible indictment, um, uh, Neville, on just the difficulties that they have been in trying to bring access to to housing for people that need it. Why are we finding that this backlog is still running as far back as 1996? What have been the, the difficulties in actually addressing that issue? Okay, so, so when we talk about the backlog, we must be able to segment it into different categories of households in relation to income. Uh, so when we talk about the backlog of 2.4 million, we're speaking about those households that uh, fall within the category of uh, 3, 000, uh, 0 to 3,500, and those are the households that qualify for subsidized housing. Uh, then you've got a what is called affordable housing uh backlog uh, or households who earn between 3,500 and 22,000 
uh, and that's that's approximately uh, uh, six hundred thousand of that uh, uh, 2.4 million. So, so, so what are the challenges? Includes the following: one, it's not for one that government is not allocated resources. We have allocated resources as the national sphere as government. Uh, so we've got policies, we've got a framework. Uh, what we what we have experienced is that there's been delays, uh, procedural, regulatory, uh, environmental delays, which have which have which have prevented uh, 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 developments coming on stream. The second part is obviously uh, as we've had, for example, in different periods of our of our history over the last 28 years. We've had economic crises, and those economic crises have resulted in budgets uh, then being uh, reduced for for subsidized housing for 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 poor households. So that's impacted on 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 delivery. Uh, then we've also been impacted upon by corruption, maladministration, uh, and 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 many of the callers will know uh, or have some experience of that. And then the other issue is also that our households in South Africa have reduced in size. Uh, so traditionally, we we sat between four four and five persons per household. That has reduced uh, to to approximately three point one. So that that I mean, when you calculate that 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 in itself has impacted on the on the on the on the backlog. Uh, and then, and then also poverty, uh, as also uh, poverty with regards to development in our rural spaces, uh, necessitates households wanting to relocate, particularly into our urban centres, uh, to find job opportunities. So you'll see the backlog is as a result of a number of factors. But I think the other important thing is that, you know, from a government side, I don't think we we have done as much as we should have. Uh, we 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 should and must have done a, a little better because there's been resources, uh, but the efficiency of that resources allocation and the way that it's been applied has been a problem. Has there been a concrete plan to address the housing backlog? And I'm talking here, even in terms of targets that you would be setting for yourselves as a department to say, well. If we're looking at 2.4 million houses per year, we should be building X amount of houses so that we can eradicate this backlog by uh, a particular year. Okay, I, I I think it's important to note one thing that in in many respects, yes, we do have. Uh, so on a on a on a five yearly target based on the different administrations, so 2009 to 2014, we have in government what is called an MTSF, uh, and there was a target set for that period. Uh, there was a target set between 2014 and 2019, you'll remember that that national and provincial term, and we're now into the third term of, 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 the, of the National Development Plan, the MTSF period, and that runs between uh, 2019 and 2024. We have set those targets, uh, and 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 in all instances, uh, those targets have not been met. 
save for save for two uh, save for two areas. One in the 20, 2009 and twenty fourteen, uh, we managed to construct the, the the required number of subsidized houses. So yes, on a five yearly basis, government does set its its, its targets in terms of the medium term strategic framework. Uh, those targets are funded through the fiscus. Uh, but we've also had shocks to the system. So you'll see between uh, 2019 and 2024, we've had to revise our targets downwards because obviously you've had the floods, you've had uh, COVID-19, uh, and you've had some of the other economic crises that, that has impacted. So yes, we do set those targets. So, so Neville, I, just, just for the, to, to speak for the current period that we're in, even if you're looking at it from a five-year period, what are those targets that you had set and um, what do those revised numbers also look like? Okay, so for the, for, so for the current, and, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll get you the correct figures, uh, but for the current, for the current period, uh, we've set ourselves the target of 300,000 subsidized units to be delivered. Uh, we've set ourselves 1,500 informal settlements to up, be upgraded in terms of water, sanitation, secure tenure. Uh, we set ourselves a target to build 18,000 affordable rental uh, uh, housing units. And then, and then we've, we've set up a target of 5,000 most uh, community residential units that's low income rental. These targets obviously don't include what the private sector would be delivering. So, so are these your initial targets or are these your revised targets? These are the revised targets. Okay. Let me bring in Nkosi Jumba, who is with Controlisa. <coughs> Nkosi Jumba, um, yeah, you know, in the context of 2.4 million, of course, when we look at some of the targets that are being set, it's going to take us a very long time um, to be able to eradicate this housing backlog. What are some of the things that you as Controlisa have been able to observe around, firstly, the challenge of these backlogs and why it is that there is such little progress when trying to deal with it. Thank, thank you so much. Uh, let me greet you and viewers, the listeners out there. The, the problem that I think, in fact, we think as the organization needs to be addressed first is the issue of the integration of uh, of the responsibilities, like 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 we seem we seem like we talk about the rural uh, about the rural communities. When when we talk about development in rural communities, we can't separate them from their leader, that is traditional leadership. So if you are going to develop the rural communities, the entry point has to be in the institution of traditional leadership. And secondly, the issue of land ownership is one of the things that we think it needs to be addressed and handled with care. We have, for instance, if, if we look at, 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 at the case, here in KZN, here in KZN we have those families that are, are sitting in, are staying in the hall after the flood, after the flood that started their homes from the 12th of April. Those families are, are just, uh, their family values are being disrupted. 
their way of living is, is just not normal. So if we were working together with the Department of Human Settlement, we could have assisted them in, in improving that backlog that they do have. So we already do have in Gose Jumba, I don't know if, if you, you're in an area that's a bit windy, but I'm getting a disturbance on, on that line. So if you can just move uh, around a little bit for me so that we're able to to, to hear you better. Because the issue, the example th- that you're raising of what is happening in, in KZN following those floods is a really, really important one. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay, thank you so much. What I was raising was that if we were working correctly, we were, we were working correctly with the Department of Human Settlement, we could have assisted them to deliver because they seem to have a problem in, in their service delivery program. So we could have assisted them as traditional leadership. If you go to those communities, you would find out that some of the traditional leaders around those areas do not even have a single instance where they saw any anybody from the Department of Human Settlements, of which we believe if we can work together, there can be a huge, a huge, a huge difference. Our people could have had their their dignity being restored in terms of proper housing that they need what do you think that what do you think the difference of bringing in uh, traditional leaders what difference would that make in helping to improve the delivery of these houses because ultimately that is something that lies in in the ambit of of the department and its implementing agents agents to be able to do The point that I'm trying to raise here is mm. that the issue of land, the availability of land, often it is the common cry. They need to say they, there's no land available for them. Otherwise, what I'm trying to say is that the, a, a traditional leadership institution, we do have land available to, to develop for our people. So we would have supported them in, in, in handling those situations. All right, that's fair enough. I I hear you clearly uh, in terms of what contribution uh, traditional leaders can be playing there. We're going to take the 11.30 news headlines. When we continue, we'll hear from Abatlali Basem John Dolo, get them to weigh in on um, how they contextualize the problems when it comes to helping to uh, address this housing backlog. It's at the top of the hour. All right, we continue the conversation on the talking point. Tabelo Mohabi, uh, General Secretary of Abatlali Basem, John Dolo. Tabelo, of course, you as an organization have long been fighting various aspects of issues of land, of, of housing, of, of displacement, dispossession. Let's talk about the housing backlog in particular and what you've identified as why there's such little progress. Thank you very much uh, for the opportunity. Uh, good morning to the viewers as well. Um, look, uh, the uh, the backlog of hum- in the Human Settlement Department, it will continue for as long as 
there is no meaningful engagement with communities that are affected. Um, people who are actually living in informal settlements are taken as people who cannot think for themselves, who are supposed to have an architect who does not know and understand the situations of people who are living in informal settlements. And that person is supposed to come up with how to actually eradicate or um, um, you know, do away with informal settlements. And that is a crisis that we are having. I, I think uh, when people uh, are meaningfully engaged by the government so that they solve the problems themselves because they are part of the problems uh, that, they, that that is there. And the other part is the rapid release of land. Uh, government does have land that they uh, have to allocate to people. Uh, but there, there is a political a lack of political will to actually deal with the issues uh, that uh, of, of uh, releasing uh, the land that is there. Uh, the issue of urbanisation and people moving and seeking greener pastures in the uh, in the urban areas will be there, and we need to find ways uh, together as, as 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 stakeholders, government, uh, the traditional authorities. Um, uh, private uh, uh, businesses and everyone else must come on board and let's have a, an honest decision. But we must not speak about the people and finish about, uh, about the people without having involved the people themselves who are affected on this. Do you think that there is a, a clear, coordinated way of responding to this challenge? If we look at the fact that the housing backlog dates as far back as 1996. One would automatically think that um, if we are addressing then this issue, we start with those that have been on the queue for, for the longest time. But based on what people tell us, that isn't necessarily what is happening. And this is not even withstanding the issues of corruption that mm. have plagued this entire system. Mm. Yes, um, and I think uh, corruption has been one of the issues. I mean, I have a list of people who are still residing in informal settlement as I speak. Um, when you go to the municipalities, their houses have been allocated, and they are not living in those houses. Other people have lived in those houses. So we have RDP houses, in, for instance, in the uh, Etsegwini municipality that have been sold. And we have brought this before the ombuds in the municipality, but nothing has been done. Uh, we've been reporting these corruptions that are taking place where people who are supposed to be allocated houses continue to live in informal settlements. And that's where you don't see uh, uh, the difference between people who have had houses who are uh, in, 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 who are already allocated houses and those who are because there are people who are still living in informal settlements who add the number of people who are living in informal settlements but those people have already been allocated houses uh, and those houses have not um, uh, they have been bought by people who can afford them because they are sold by white councillors. Who, by the way, the white councillors are not supposed to be even in the process of allocating houses. It is the officials. And the other crisis that we are having is officials who become politicians, uh, who then say that they will allocate housing al along the party uh, politics line. So those are some of the challenges that we are faced with that only people from the ruling party that will be beneficiary and be allocated homes and people that are, are not from the, the political, uh, I mean, are, are from the ruling <coughs> party do not get their homes. So 
These are some of the challenges that we are having in, in terms of that. The other issue that we are having, because there are people who continuously say that um, uh, people are allocated homes, um, and once they are allocated, they go back to informal settlement. And we must look at informal settlements. Uh, that's why it's called informal settlement and it moved away from housing. It's because a house must be seen as a skills transfer, as uh, not just a roof over your head, as a home that is going to house people, so that's why people, uh, the, the informal settlement, if you look at them, they are strategically located in the places where there is economic boom. So if you relocate somebody 50 kilometers away from that area where he was getting his uh, work, uh, even if it was part-time work or anything else, so that person will come back, will, will bound to come back because you have not filled the, uh, the entire uh, uh, you know, um, situation of, uh, of 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 what human settlements represent, and I think that, that, that that's where the in meaningful engagement mm. before people are relocated. That there needs to be a meaningful engagement to people before they are being relocated. But we have this tendency and arrogance from government to say because we are giving you a house, you must accept it, uh, and when people then accept it and sell it and come back to the, in, the to the informal settlement because that's where their needs are being fulfilled. Neville, let me come to you because some of the issues that have come up are issues that have been raised historically as hindering the process of uh, addressing the the housing issues we have in in the country. It seems to me, though, that um, when we're looking at issues such as uh, corruption, such as these lists and, and how the allocations on these lists works where where people have to gain houses that those are not the problems are not changing which is why we would still have people that have applied in 1996 on a list in 2022 thanks kathy uh, let me just greet uh, tapelo and Jumba. Uh, kathy i just want to go to the point and i'm not sure if nkosi Jumba is still on but she raised the point i think you raised the point around the role of traditional leaders and leadership in in, in housing. Uh, let me let me just indicate the role of traditional leaders uh, in the in the housing and human settlements uh, process, particularly in rural areas, is integral. Uh, it's important, uh, particularly in the rural areas of our country where uh, the land is under the uh, ownership of of the traditional leaders. Uh, our policies and our processes, and particularly, is that there must be that that relationship. And I think uh, at the at the at the Indaba we have Nkosi uh, Mshlauli, and 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 I think you know if you look at what the what the what the traditional leadership has done, for example, in the Eastern Cape, has been really where they've been giving out vouchers, providing uh, building vouchers without any assistance from government, and and they actually call in on us as government to say, okay, we work in, but how do you want to help us to help ourselves? And I think that's the that's the that's the important. And so are the, there are these important initiatives that are there. Uh, the same with, for example, what Tapelo has raised around the question of of communities and their participation. Now, addressing that in relation to corruption and how do we eradicate that? Uh, Minister Kubai is given the instruction and, and we're busy with that process where we want to digitally transform the entire beneficiary allocation process uh, so that we take it out of the hands of humans so there's no temptation, there's no manipulation, there's no corruption, uh, 
but also there is a a a sort of management and oversight by communities so you publish the the the, the allocation list you publish the approved list uh, but also coupled with that is the issue around for example where we've now moved towards a situation that says let us provide and increase the delivery of service stands because then what that happens is that you have a household that takes ownership, there's savings that goes in, there's a co-partnership that in terms of funding, and they would be more reluctant to want to either rent it or sell it. But if that happens, then there's a, then there's a cognizant uh, 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 benefit or uh, that, 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 that investment is not lost because if it's not someone's investment, we find the, the the sale and the rental. So, so the important part is two: one, the digital transformation. But the policies are there, and Tapil is correct. A ward councillor is not part of a process of allocation. Uh, they should not be. Uh, and 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 we have we have as the department, the national department, uh, ministers taken a very strong. Uh, uh, Stance against uh, political interference, corruption, manipulation, uh, and hence we've got this. Part, uh, we've got this in Daba. So you'll see, as part of this in Daba, because the two cornerstones of this in our rural setting is the role of the traditional leadership, and then in our in our informal settlement, <coughs> the integral role of communities. But Neville, are, are you finding it translate? into changes in how things are being done um whether it's in municipalities whether it's in provinces because it's one thing for the department say to say that we acknowledge that these are the problems that have made it difficult for us to be able to in some instances reach our targets where where it comes to the delivery of housing or even have those who are recipients of houses be able to receive them um, in line with what is due to them according to the backlog, that you've identified the problems and you're talking tough on them. But if that is not translating into how things are done, it effectively means nothing at the end of the day. There are pockets of, of excellence and transformation where where what we you know, policies, legislation, regulations get translated. Uh, so there's a number of provinces and municipalities in the country where that's translated. Unfortunately, there's also a number of where that's, that's not happened. Uh, but one of the things that we have found is that where the relationship between the community, the leadership, the municipal councils, the province, is good. You find excellent examples of delivery, uh, and those 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 do occur. They are that. They are those, but they are not enough because uh, we wanted to to encompass the entire uh, uh, sector uh, in terms of the way that we're doing it, and and that's one of the reasons why we're wanting to reset. 
how are you as the department going to ensure that the person who's on the list and has been waiting from 1996 and it's 2022 now will not still be waiting in 2025 and possibly in 2030? Okay, so Kathy, as I've indicated, I mean, the, the cornerstone of this is the digital, uh, digital digitization of this, this waiting or this beneficiary administration process. You know, where someone applies to be on the waiting list, someone then applies to receive a home, someone then gets allocated. Now, in relation to that, as part of that process, there will be a prioritization process for those households that are vulnerable, that I need and will get preference. Because I think what we need to agree is that there are households, the aged, child-aided households, persons with disabilities, military veterans, those are households that would obviously receive benefit for a house. And the second part of that is that those, the balance of, of, of households on that uh, beneficiary prioritization or waiting list will then will then be offered uh, service stamps. Why, why, are... why does it have to wait for a digitization process to be concluded, Neville? The, these are things that the department should have on record um, even manually, right? That's why you were able to give us the figures. Look, I, I think the, 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 the point about it is that the hard lesson in life has been, and and it's and it's not something that 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 I say lightly. The fact of the matter is that the the the, the human element in terms of administration, leading to corruption, leading to manipulation, leading to administration, uh, uh, poor administration, uh, has 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 resulted in the situation where uh, we've got to be able to do something about it. And, and and it's not like we didn't take opportunities and 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 and, and to, to address it but those those have the policies are in place the legislations in place the regulations are in place but where the rubber does not meet the road is when it gets to implementation so our policies say a councillor should not be involved in a in a in an allocation our policies do say that a waiting list should be published. Our policies do say that uh, people should not sell their houses or if where they do, they must first make it available to the state. All of that is there. The administration has been poor. And I think what we need to be able to agree is that setting targets and setting goals are not going to get us to the place we want to be. But is there accountability we... for that, Neville? B- because ultimately, if, if they are officials that are not doing their jobs in the way they're supposed to be doing, and you as a national department are still getting progress reports from whichever provinces that are showing people on the housing list beyond a set amount of time, surely some of the questions that you are asking is, why is this the way that it is? And who are the officials that must be held accountable for the fact that the problem is not changing? 
Look, in 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 the in the provinces, in the various provinces, uh, there has been action taken uh, where where there's been corruption, where there's been lack of of, of accountability. So, in the case of Gauteng, uh, it's approximately about four officials that have been uh, sort of charged, found guilty. Some of them resigned before the process. If you know, uh, in the Free State, for example, there were a number of there were approximately seven officials that were found guilty of manipulation of the system uh, to allow for corruption to occur. Uh, we've just had one official in the Free State as well who's been given a suspended sentence of 10 years. These are fine few between, uh, far and few in between. But, you know, uh, there is that accountability that occurs. And I, and I, and I think it's, it's an issue that... Uh, We've got to be able to ensure that those that 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 circle turns a little quicker than it is at the moment. So yeah, okay. In Kosi Jumba, let me, let me bring you in here, and I wonder, you know, based on what Neville is saying, and what you have observed in in in, in communities, um, does it better explain why we're seeing such little progress? Hello? Hi, Nkosi Chumba. Can you hear me clearly? Yes, yes, I can hear you now. So, so I was saying that based on what the department is saying, and then also <laughs> building on your own observations in the community, does it provide a clear explanation for why we are continuously sitting with this backlog? Yes, it, it does explain the the reason why they do have this deadlock. But on the other side, it, it is encouraging us to, to strengthen the relationships so that all the stakeholders that are supposed to take part in the development of our communities, they engage each other. So that the partnership that we always talk about what are you noticed that we, we talk about partnerships today right. and tomorrow and that day. Jumba, the, the line yeah, to no. you isn't great. I'm just going to ask the producers to try and, and redial you again. Um, perhaps we can get you back up on, on a clearer line. We'll continue uh, the conversation and we'll hear from Tabelo of Abatlali Basim John Dollar. Uh, we'll also take some of your calls, 086-000-2032. That's the number to dial. on SAFM. All right, we continue the conversation on the talking point. Uh, let me just give Ngosi Jumba, who is with the Women's Wing of Contralesa, national chairperson there, an opportunity to um, f- finish her, her contribution. So Ngosi Jumba, you said, you know, it, it highlights the, needs to be, the need to be able to work together as various stakeholders. Yes, yes, that's what I was saying. We need, we need to strengthen the working relationship with our stakeholders, all the parties that have an interest or have a, can have a positive impact. The other thing that I think is important for us to take care of is, is, is the effective community engagement. Because sometimes you find out those people that are vulnerable, they do not have any form of communication that is given to them in order for them to understand what is it that is it that they need to do in order to fast track or to assist in whatever way. And even for them to understand 
how long is it going to take them to be in the situation that they are on that particular moment. Mm. So the most basic or the most important thing now is just to strengthen the relationship and make sure that we don't waste any more time. Our people have been suffering for quite some time, so we need to act swiftly for in order for them to be a proud South, to be proud South African citizen. L- let me take Colin. You're calling us from Cape Town. Good morning, Colin. Uh, good morning, Cathy, and good morning to your guest. You know, Cathy, it's true what you say. In 2025, 2030, those people on the waiting list will still be there. Do you know something I hear? Never talk about corruption. They always, do you know, the word corruption, it's no use talking about if the government is doing nothing about corruption. I heard him talking about people resign when, they, when, you, when you're on to them and things like that. But they don't get followed up. Those very same people resign after they've filled up their coffers and things like that. You know, Kathy, uh, we'll never get rid of this backlog. People that are on a waiting list from 2000 already, they are still on a waiting list. And I've already heard on your radio, radio program people complaining that people that have been on the list for five years, if they know somebody, and councillors are involved also, selling houses to those people, and those people get the house and they sell it again. Now, where do they go to? Have they got another house? Or, or do they go to uh, an informal settlement? They should not be able to be allowed to sell those properties because when he sells a property, where is he going to if he hasn't got a home? I know I've worked for government. I know of people that got government subsidies for housing. And you know something, Kathy? They were paying something like 240 rand a month and with a housing uh, subsidy. They went and rented their houses out for 2,000 rand a month and went into an informal settlement. And the population is growing and growing and growing. We'll never get rid of this housing backlog, Kathy, because there's so much corruption, councillors, people on a waiting list. They know a councillor, they get a house, they sell it. And so it goes mm. on and on and on, Kathy. Yeah, Colin, let's leave it there for this morning. I mean, yeah. the, the, okay, issue of, the issue of corruption is, is, is central, right, to this problem. And I certainly am not convinced that there is anything concrete that has been done by the department to actually deal w- with the problem because it's been spoken about for so long. And you can talk about a few officials here and there that have been fired or have had action taken against them. But the scale of the problem is clearly so much bigger than that. I don't get the sense that there is enough political will to to really address this issue at at, at, at the core of, of, of where the problems are emanating from. Tapelo, let me bring you in here and give you a chance to, to also contribute. The issue of corruption, uh, particularly in our province, uh, in Etsegwini, um, has uh, been normalized to, to the extent that those who are not corrupt within government are seen as people who um, don't know what they are doing in government. I mean, I'm talking about what 101, um, where uh, we've discovered that the ward councillor owns about three uh, flats of uh, uh, a low-cost housing. These are houses that he was renting out and, and that were meant to be allocated to the poorest of the poor.
continue to languish and live in and these indignified uh, informal settlements uh, with no basic services and whatsoever. So the people who are supposed to lead us, the people who are supposed to do justice by providing these to the poorest of the poor are actually the ones in the forefront. And I think uh, it's very difficult for officials to deal with corruption when the political heads are the ones who are in the forefront and leading uh, in, in corruption. So this has uh, been hindering the progress in terms of housing. And I've always said that uh, in Wazunazal, you see there's uh, houses that are being built. But are those houses being allocated to certain uh, to, to individuals that are supposed to benefit from them? At the, at the same time, at the center of the stage, what we have discovered is that some of the development that have started uh, to be built in Guazunatal um, have not continued because officials and politicians are fighting over who should get the tender. So the procurement uh, part becomes the, a major part and money is then returned to Treasury, not because it is not being able to be used or it, there is no need for it, but it is because there's a site who is going to be given this tender within the municipalities in the procurement department where people are actually fighting over uh, should we give to this because it's aligned to us or to this because it's aligned to that section and so forth. And then the term goes and then people have to return money to Treasury. Um, and some of those things show that we have a, a, a leadership with no moral a leadership that just think about benefiting themselves and their families and not the people who are poor and marginalized on the ground. Neville, the, the reality is with little accountability, with little oversight around how things are being implemented, nothing is going to change. And, and part of that really rests with the Department of, of Human Settlement. I think it's important to note that you know, there is political will. I can certainly say, say that of, of, of Minister Kubai. I can certainly say that there are, there are these governance frameworks, there are the regulatory frameworks, there's the policies, all of those things are in place. But what we need to, what we need to be able to be clear is that in relation to a matter of corruption, uh, this is the Department of Human Settlement. Once we go past a particular line, it then falls within the justice system. It then falls within a public service administration uh, process or those laws. And I think what we what we what we must agree is that it it rests on all of us. Yeah, but but, uh, because, but Neville, all of that is is fair enough. But the department can't absolve itself of the responsibility of that oversight, right? So no, if, they, if they are councillors that are buying houses that were meant to go um, to, 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 to low household earner, income earners, and yet those houses are going to um, councillors, it should be the Department of Human Settlements that is leading that charge in as far as accountability is concerned, No. No, I agree with you, and 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 I can give you I can give you one concrete example where we've taken that up together with the province. Uh, in 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 the south of Joburg, there's an individual that has been selling houses in Savannah City. Uh, we 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 are treating that as a priority matter because it's quite 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 important. Uh, the docket's now sitting with the NPA. 
uh, waiting for them to take a decision. Now we've done all of that. Now the, what I'm what I'm what I'm saying is that as the department, as specific provinces and municipalities, we're not washing our hands of the fact that there's an accountability and there's a responsibility. All right. Uh, well, that 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 I that I don't I don't want to leave you or the listeners with that. No. Neville, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. Neville Cheney is with the Department of Human Settlements. We've come to the end of our program for this Monday morning. Up next is the update at noon.